Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to say that again. This time, I don't want you to say the response, okay? Christ is risen. God survives. Gather, universe. Look, ye stars, in the exultant countries of space, in a sudden simple pasture far beyond Andromeda. We seek new gardens there to know ourselves. We see new wilderness and send us forth in wandering search. Apollo's missions move and Christus seek and wonder as we look among the stars, did he know these? In some far universal deep, did he tread space and visit worlds beyond our blood-warm dreaming? Did he come down on lonely shore by sea, not unlike Galilee? And are there mangers on far worlds that knew his light? Sounds kind of spacey, doesn't it? I just read to you an excerpt from the poem, Christus Apollo by Ray Bradbury. It's a celebration of the eighth day of man and the promise of the ninth. Ooh, far out, man. (laughs) Christus Apollo is an artifact of pop science fiction from the year we landed on the moon. In fact, after the moon landing, Bradbury said, space travel says you can live forever. Now we are able to transport our seed to other worlds. We can be sure that this miraculous gift of life goes on forever. Ah, well, Ray, I don't know about that. (laughs) Sounds optimistic. Bradbury wasn't always so optimistic in his writing. Some of his stories are pretty dark, actually. And even though he's one of America's most celebrated authors and the one most responsible for bringing modern science fiction into the literary mainstream, Bradbury said, people ask me to predict the future when all I want to do is prevent it. Well, no doubt God knows every corner, every nook and cranny of the universe intimately. And since, since Jesus has always been, you know, there wasn't a time when Jesus was not one of the three persons of God. He knows every star, every planet, every galaxy, and nebula in the heavens. I don't know about any other worlds, but he has a future for us on this world that we don't want anyone to prevent. The unusual book of Revelation points to a grand future for this world and to its inhabitants who know the Lamb of God is worthy. Ray Bradbury's got nothing on the Apostle John and his far-out literary style. This is a vision from God, after all. Strange beasts and odd people, all revolving around a lamb, a lamb who looks like he was slain, takes a scroll, and, and everyone freaks out because this, this slain lamb was worthy to do it. It's hard to imagine how that even looked to John, right? I mean, how does a lamb, whether it's dead or alive, even handle a scroll of paper? It's just, it's bizarre. But that's not what John wants us to focus on even though it's a strange image. John wants us to consider the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. The slain lamb lives. God survives, to use Bradbury's phrase. 
But this lamb isn't about traveling around the universe, visiting other worlds. He's about saving this one, taking away its corruption, its sin. He alone is worthy to do it. And you know what that means, don't you? You and I are not worthy to do this. Granted, when it comes to the decay and the corruption of this world because of sin's curse, we should not let our own sin make it worse. That rhymes. Maybe I should write some poetry, huh? What John is saying is only Jesus has lived the praiseworthy life. He is the one who has no need to move on from past actions with repentance. He's the only one who has no secrets to keep. Only he is worthy of praise and glory. What does that say about all your accomplishments in life? And all your efforts to be a good person, help others and please God. Well, Paul says, we are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Let's consider our own life, shall we? Are we selfish at times? Lecherous, resistant to God's commandments, neglectful of His word and prayer, quick to, react to, uh, quick to react to others, yet sluggish with grace? There's something for everyone in those traps. Even our good works are contaminated with some tint of, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? By our nature and action, you and I, cannot be made worthy before God. But someone has, by their nature and good work, made us worthy, the Lamb who was slain. As true God and true man, Jesus is clean, good, and pure by nature. From birth, He is innocent and clean. He lived worthily under the commandments. He alone is righteous. He alone is the perfect sacrifice for sinners like you and me. Yet just as the lamb in our text from Revelation is living, so is Jesus. That's what God wanted John to see and report to you and me. More poetry. (laughs) It's the truth though, and not just literature. These words create faith in our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit to believe Just as the lamb who was slain now comes back and lives, so Jesus has risen from the dead. Because he is worthy, his works are worthy. His death is worthy, worthy to reverse the curse of sin and death for you and me and to make clean those contaminated by sin. His resurrection on Easter is worthy to end death forever. All his doings and works are worthy. He is worthy in your place. He is worthy for you. This worthiness on His part spills out onto you and into you. And in this way, we as His people will make the works we do worthy. His worthiness is transferred to you and me. So your parenting is worthy. Even though there are bumps and heartaches along the way, your job is made worthy regardless of whether it seems as if you're doing anything remotely worthy of the time that God has given you. 
Because you're sanctified and kept under God's love and care, you're farming, you're nursing, you're teaching, you're learning, banking, cleaning, diaper changing, burger flipping, wrench turning, acting, singing, serving, reading, writing, resting is made worthy. By the forgiveness of sins won for you by the Lamb who was slain, you are declared worthy by Him. And so your works are as well. Let's rejoice in the worthiness of the Lamb. If you feel unworthy of God's love, be aware of this. Be assured of this. Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be unworthy. For He knew no sin. Yet, He experienced the scorn, the mockery, the shame, the pain, the suffering and death of it for you. He is your substitute for unworthiness before a righteous and just God. So let's join our voices to the, one, to the ones in John's revelation who sing the Lamb's praises as we gather here together this morning. We may not hear them, but the church triumphant, all who have died in saving faith in Jesus Christ, all angels and archangels, join us in our worship. To Him be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. O God, far motioning, O Christ of many flesh made one, leave earth. God Himself cries out. He goes to prepare the way for your rebirth. Now is the time of going away. Arise and go. Be born. Welcome to the morning of the ninth day. Fantastical metaphysical, but we want Christ here on earth with us. Some may wish to launch him off on some grand expedition to the galaxies and beyond Andromeda, but Jesus will always be here with us. That's why he came to earth. That's why he made it. That's why he made you and all people. And that's why he'll make it new again. And the four living creatures said, Amen. 